With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker Fan Podcast, where we try to be sweet, but at times we get salty. Don't mind me, I'm emailing somebody right now. I am your host, Ken. <laughs> and I am your other host, Scott. Um, we got to get our overlay fixed up here. Yes, we do. I apologize for that. I just don't know uh, which one I usually pick. Now, there we are. Hello, I'm your other host, Scott. Days. How are we doing tonight? Yeah, one of these days I'll actually be worthy of this Best Video Visuals Award by actually starting a stream out the right way. Anyway, um, don't know. We might have Brian from Husker Army join us here. I just sent him the link. So if you're watching, Brian, you have an email with the link to the show in it if you wish to join us. Uh, we're here to break down the numbers from this Minnesota game. I know we did our rapid reaction on Thursday night. If you haven't seen that yet, it's available on our YouTube channel, and the podcast is also available to download in your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to smash the like button on this stream to let uh, YouTube know that you like what we're doing, and it sends it out to more people to be able to watch. And uh, yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. We really appreciate it. We're also going to take some time and preview Colorado, kind of based on the numbers from what we saw from the TCU game. Um, anyway, what do, do we have anything we need to talk about before we get into the meat of this thing, Scott? Is there, I don't know, you might have had something go on over the last couple of days that you might want to talk about. Oh, yeah. I just got back uh, today. Me, my wife, and my brother went out camping over at Indian Cave State Park because um, it was just going to be way hotter this weekend than we were anticipating. We were going to camp for two days, um, but we just decided to go there late tomorrow or late yesterday, and mm. we got there at about 5, set up camp at about 5, 4, you know, had it set up by like 6, 6.50 or 6, 6.15. And then we just enjoyed the most beautiful weather. It was so beautiful, like, the heat had basically gone away. There was a nice little breeze coming in. We had a beautiful view of, of this lake that came off of the Missouri river. It was just wonderful. Um, I'm feeling pretty, uh, tired from it. Um, mm. it was definitely like uh, being outside, like really like dried out my throat for some reason. Um, so I'm kind of bummed out about that, but other than that, uh, because of that, actually, the only game I was able to watch this weekend partially was about was about two thirds of the Colorado TCU game. Mm -hmm. I missed basically everything going up into uh, probably there was like what five minutes left in the third quarter. Um, so I missed the last last bit of the game, but. Um, 
yeah, that's basically what I'd been up to since we took RL in uh, Minneapolis. What about you? Did you do anything fun? Did you watch enough? Did you get enough of your, of your football fix yesterday? Uh, sort of, kind of. I was down here in the studio kind of playing around and helping uh, helping our buddy Brian at Husker Army get situated for his next show because just, you know, te- technical difficulties, internet issues, all that fun stuff tend to crop up at the most important times, and they did for him yesterday. So I was helping him with that, and I kind of had the Colorado game up on the big TV in here. Um on mute. So yeah, I caught some of the visual of it. I didn't hear a lot of it. Um, just cause I know some people are, but I'm just not the biggest Gus Johnson fan. He's too, he's too over the top for me. Um, I'd maybe it's just because I, I grew up, I grew up on, uh, on Keith Jackson and nobody was better. He was literally the voice of college football and always will be. Um, but still the game was great. I enjoyed watching the back and forth nature. I enjoyed, Seeing the fact that neither team knows how to play defense, which bodes well for our hopefully better offense next week. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I did go to, um, I as many of, of you who listen and watch know, I've been basically retired since November. But I'm going to take a part-time job uh, here in the next week or so uh, while the weather is good and work at, my lo- work at the local country club where I've been getting golf lessons. So. Uh, if you happen to go to Hillcrest Country Club to play golf because you're a member and you see an old fart that looks a lot like me out there uh, loading up your clubs on your cart for you, uh, it's me. <laughs> it's definitely me. So I'm looking forward to it, though. Get a few golf privileges out of the deal. And um, if anybody's looking to take lessons, you can't go wrong by uh, contacting Mike Brown out there at Hillcrest Country Club. So there's a free shout out. Absolutely nothing in it for us. But uh, he has helped me immensely, especially with driver. I was actually landing him at like 220, 230 yards the other day out at Holmes, which I've never hit a driver in the air that far before. So good job. Just a couple of little adjustments to the swing is all he showed me. It was pretty amazing. Nice. Just wish I could do that with my irons. But anyway, that's another story for another day. We Let's digress. move on to the pleasantries of talking about Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> as pleasant as it possibly be. We've just got a few slides, folks. We'll uh, we'll take a look at these and um, go through them together, shall we? Relive the pain that was the last four and a half minutes of the game, because really the first fifty-five and a half was actually pretty doggone pleasant. We saw defense play well, other than a couple of crucial mistakes at the end of the game, which I'm hoping this team outgrows later this year because i know they're going to be in crunch time again later on down the season it seems like big 10 is nothing but crunch time so mm-hmm. um anyway as we all saw 13 to 10 minnesota wins it at the end and these are just the stats the stats that the teams uh generated that evening 21st downs to 18 for nebraska 8 of 17 on third down which is just under 50 percent to five compared to five of 11 for nebraska which was also just right at 50% or just short of it. Uh, fourth down, they went for mm-hmm. it two times and got it both. We didn't go for it at that's all. Not, so. That's another stat line that's kind of low-key. It doesn't like speak out yeah. to immediately, but if you really think about it, it's not good that we allowed basically a 50% success rate on third down and 100% sex, uh, so, success yeah. rate on fourth down. Like That is yeah. ridiculous. And what's crazy is, is so I'm looking at it, is we went five of 11 and they went eight of 17. And you look at that and they're both basically the same number. 
It's just it felt like they were more successful getting third downs when it like, I guess when it was all said and done, it didn't really matter more more or less throughout the entire game. But it just seemed like Minnesota got them when they were the most crunch time moments. Yeah, that was it was disappointing. Um, it, it is what it is, but that's what Minnesota does. They get themselves yeah. in fourth. They're efficiently efficient enough on offense that they get themselves into fourth and short. And it's the one thing this defense has struggled with for the last number of years Feeling. is getting off the field on third and fourth down. Uh-huh. You know, eight of 17, less than 50%. That's, I think, right around what the third down efficiency was for Nebraska last year for the totality of the season. So there's room to improve. If they're staying starting at the same level they were at the end of the year last year, I feel pretty good about the defense moving forward that they'll only get better. Hmm. Uh, but the total yards wasn't much for either team. 251 for Minnesota, 295 for Nebraska. Um, 196 of the yards for Minnesota were by, via the air. And we shut down what normally is a rushing offense that's hard to stop. And I know that has a lot to do with the fact that they have offensive linemen. I think three interior offensive linemen are new this season. Plus, they don't have Mo Ibrahim, who seems to make a hole where there isn't one. A lot. So 55 yards rushing. They barely beat us in time of possession, 30 minutes and 42 seconds to 29-18. They had three penalties for 25 yards, seven penalties for Nebraska for 55 yards. Now, I will mention this on penalties, and I'll leave it be by just saying this once. And that is that there was some clips, some highlights from the game that Brian played during the Husker Army podcast today. If you guys aren't subscribed to their channel yet, please do get subscribed. Their content is absolutely worth seeing. Brian does a great job hosting. Kenny does a great job breaking things down. As a former player, he sees things from a perspective none of us see it from. Um, but Brian put up a couple of clips, and one of them in particular was a sack by Nebraska. But the entire left side of the Minnesota offensive line moved before the snap, just like they did on the touchdown play. So apparently, I didn't notice it necessarily when I rewatched the game, but I'm probably going to rewatch it again and see how many times that happened. Because if it happened more than twice, I'm sorry, the conspiracy theorist in me tells me that the line judge ain't freaking looking at their line. They're only looking at the line with the white shirts in it. Yeah. So, um, so that, just leave that. And of course, I'll just leave the whole idea that Blaze Gunnerson was being tackled all game long alone too. Uh, because, of course, there were zero holding penalties amongst those three penalties for 25 yards. So anyway, we'll leave that lie. I'm done bitching about the refs, <laughs> even though they all suck pretty much in the Big Ten. Uh, any other thoughts you have on the rest of those stats, Scott? Anything else stick out to you? I just thought it was interesting that we had such a prolific run game and mm -hmm. we didn't utilize it as much as we should have. That the things that killed us in the game were all passing related. Mm -hmm. And the stat line that kept standing out throughout the entire game was the rushing line. And we just didn't consistently lean into it. It was something that worked and we were trying to fix something that wasn't broken right. by trying to pass all the time. And I mean, if we would have just stuck to the run game, th that stat line could be even more lopsided because I mean, you look at it. Okay. We have 44 more yards than Minnesota. 
that's actually a huge amount when you consider how low our total yardage is to begin with. And if we were to got if we were to cranked out 50 more rushing yards throughout the game with the passing mm-hmm. stat line remaining about the same, I mean, mm-hmm. there should be no reason why we don't win a game at that point. That means that we punched it in in the red zone by doing that. That, you know, when we were down in the red zone and the first thing we think to do is pass the ball, which has just frustrated me so much with previous coaching staff. Yeah. Um, and then they just go right on ahead and do the same thing. I'm like, what in the Whipple offense is going on here? Um, <laughs> we ran and got all the way down the field just to try and dookie bomb it on first down. Uh, just because you want to try and give your give your quarterback a redemption moment or whoever, whomever, don't care. Sure. But though sure. that was something. So I'm looking at that stat line of our total yardage, and, and it's just kind of frustrating to see that you can clearly see that a rushing offense was leading us with the stats uh, on offense. And yet we didn't lean on it, which was super frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I'm busy reading the comments. Uh, I'm being a bad podcaster right now. Bad podcaster. Um, let's move on to the next slide. Yes. There we go. Individual statistics. We had uh, Ethan Kaliak Manis. God, I knew I was going to do that too, and I told myself not to. 24 of 44 for 196 yards, just over 50% passing, one TD, one interception. Uh, Jeff was a little bit better at 11 of 19 as far as a percentage for completion for 114 yards, just over 10 yards per completion, one touchdown, which was kind of lucky when you really look back at it. And yeah, three right. of the big, you know, if you look at the fact that he completed three passes to the opposition, well, then he's 14 of 19, but still. Um, <laughs> it's the rushing line that that I was so pleased with the defense and so dis, disconcerted, if you will, or disappointed in the offense because the defense shut him down. End of story. Just yep. absolutely shut down there. Now we did sack him three times for 25 yards, but still that's 80 yards rushing that we ultimately held them to um, before the sack yardage. Nebraska, you know, 19 for 91 yards for quarterback. We don't want our quarterback running more than 15 times, I would think, right? For health reasons and for durability reasons by the end of the season, although Sims is built a whole lot bigger. Kind of reminds you of old Tommy Armstrong out there running the ball, except mm-hmm. a little bit taller, a little bit bigger. Uh, Gabe Irvin, 7 for 55, long of 27, 7.9 yards per per carry, which of course, most of it, you know, half of that yardage came on one run, but he still dang near averaged four yards per carry for his other six totes. So, and Anthony was, you know, 9 for 27. Yeah. Long of nine yards, three yard average, and then a big fumble at the end of the game. So I don't want to see Jeff Sims having three interceptions again. If he does that again, I just don't know if we're even get to six wins. If he's just going to be the interception machine that he was on Thursday night, I will credit Minnesota's defense. They knew how to bait him into some things and they knew exactly where he was looking. There was only one pass highlight that I saw where he actually looked at his primary receiver and then ended up looking to his next progression and putting the ball there. Even though the third option was right in front of the linebackers and was wide open, he could have hit yeah. him, but still, um, case in point, the interception in the, in the end zone, right? Where 
Borkatcher's wide open right on the front lip of the end zone, and he throws the lazy pass back to the to the pylon and the, toward the back corner and didn't get enough air under it. So um, anyway, yes, yes, absolutely, Brian. He is uh, absolutely correct. The team has already shown it's capable of running the ball, and uh, Colorado's defense has shown that it is incapable of stopping the run. So, <laughs> but uh, hopefully, hopefully that holds true again come Saturday. But uh, there you go. Receiving any other thoughts, Scott? I'm sorry, I've been kind of hogging the conversation. No, you're good. I'm just sitting here looking at the stat lines, and yeah, it's just kind of like, what did we learn? We learned that we can't pass the ball, that we can run the ball, but we haven't necessarily attempted to get our running game into an actual rhythm necessarily. Yeah. So I'd like to see what that looks like. And then we've seen that there were a lot of open receivers. We just didn't have a quarterback that was capable of doing his checkdowns and doing his progressions and figuring out where these guys were supposed to be. And so I'm looking at all these stats and I'm going, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty even game. The only difference between our offense, when you look at these stat lines, you know, they're pretty spread out. They're kind of wild Minnesota and, you know, not prototypical of them not have very big rushing stat lines, but the big number that jumps out is that INT, the three INTs versus the one with Cali Agmanis, which I think it would have made a bigger difference. I think that of all the things being considered in this game, how big that interception Isaac Gifford could have gotten in the end zone. Oh, God, um, yes. Mm. That, if if that would have been another interception that Callie McManus would have, would have thrown, then I think that um, the game feels a lot more like we would have been in another advantageous place. Because when, when did that almost interception happen? Wasn't it with like three minutes left or something like that? Or five? Yeah, or it, was, it was before they scored the touchdown. If I remember. <laughs> it was like uh, two plays before the touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that would have been points that would have never been up on the board. So those those are just, the, that was kind of what I noticed, is just that interception stat line and then our rushing stat line. It was like we were good at what Minnesota could do in the rushing game, but just in a different way with Jeff Sims kind of carrying our rushing game. But most of that was on scrambles. I wish I wish we would have been able to, when it would have been able to figure out a, a more designed scramble, you know, option sure. with Sims. The bulk of the yards, yeah, for certain were on scrambles, and there were a few called runs that he got some yardage on. But yeah, yep. you're absolutely right. The bulk of the calls were on scrambles because a nobody was open. And he pulled the ball and, and took off because he could. And there was mm-hmm. open space. So uh, anyway, let's take a look at the passing individuals. Uh, oops, I better turn that banner off. Otherwise, people can't read that. See, there I go. Trying to be cute, and it just didn't work. Uh, wide receiver, Daniel Jackson, obviously the big TD at the end of the game. Nine for six, nine catches for 68, whereas our top receiver was three for 56 and a TD with Alex Bullock. And as you can see, there's not overly impressive stats for either team. Obviously the stats are going to conceivably jump on the passing side for our defense, uh, come Saturday with what Colorado was able to accomplish against TCU and an extremely overrated, uh, TCU team at that You know, in my opinion, they're not ranked 17th unless uh, 
unless they weren't they're ranked 17th because they were in the playoff. Yeah. And the fact they were dropped all the way to 17 means that the voters are like, yeah, this ain't near the same team that was in the playoff because they had a bunch of dudes transfer out. We'll give them we'll give them a preseason ranking as like a courtesy, but we courtesy know and a thank you for showing up. Yeah. Yeah. But we know <laughs> you're you might not be a top twenty five team this year. It might sure. be LSU post twenty nineteen all over again. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I thought that one stat that was interesting here on Nebraska's receiving is quarterback Heinrich Harburg had one catch for 10 yards. That was a big catch. Yeah. Continue to drive for, uh, on a third down play. So if I remember right, that was the uh, drive we kicked a field goal on too. Maybe I don't mm-hmm. remember for sure, but I don't know. Um, anyway, hmm. next slide defense, individual statistics. Trayvon Jones had a great game. Nine, yep. nine total tackles with eight of those being solo. So he was all over the place making stuff happen. Omar Brown was just as effective along with Deshaun Singleton. Both of those guys had seven tackles. Uh, five solo for Omar. Two of them were solo for Deshaun. And Omar also had an interception. So, yes, he did. Um, which was a big one. Big momentum shifter. We needed mm-hmm. that big time at that time. So, um, John Bullock. Had a good game as well. 18 guys for Nebraska registered a tackle, as well as 18 guys for Minnesota registered a tackle. So both teams were definitely keeping their defense as fresh as they possibly could, which I think is a good thing. I think that means these guys are all capable of playing in the system and will uh, help out as the year goes on and nicks and bruises happen. So um, any thoughts on the defense? Any Things that stuck out to you, not only on the stats, but on things you saw on the field on Thursday night. Well, I always like to see a turnover and seeing that we did get an an interception um, makes me very happy and saw a possible another interception, like I said a few moments ago. Um, just thinking about that gives me hope, especially with a very conservative offense like Minnesota. Granted, they had to rely on their passing game, so that's where that intercept interception mm-hmm. uh, proclivity comes from but i'm i'm really thinking about that and i'm like all right if we can average that every single game where we're getting one pick to maybe two at a time every single game that's going to keep us in a lot of games mm-hmm. um and we're going to be playing a lot more pass heavy teams coming up here i think minnesota just knew that they couldn't afford to try and get the run game started mm-hmm. in this game um so that's what I'm that's kind of what I'm looking for here. I'm or looking forward to here. Do we that might obviously we keep alluding to Colorado, but I mean it is relevant when when we're thinking about going into Boulder next week, like they're gonna probably try and pass a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that's give that puts our that puts our cornerbacks in a potentially advantageous uh position. Um so that's that's kind of something that stood out to me on the defense is like first game we got a pick like that's pretty that's pretty awesome especially against such a such a you know formidable foe. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that's anytime you can you can snatch the ball and turn momentum. It's always a good thing. And it gosh, you know what woulda coulda shoulda. You know Anthony Grant doesn't drop the ball on the carpet in the fourth quarter. Then Isaac Gifford doesn't have to try to make that interception. But mm-hmm. he did drop it, and you get the interception right in your hands, Isaac. You got to make it. So um, it is. There was just so many things. It was a. It was a loss 
that didn't have to happen because plays were there to be made. Hold on to the football. Two more first downs games over with the new clock rules, right? Yeah. So um, it is what it is. Um, they did their best. I mean, I thought ult- ultimately all the way around, I thought the, the team as a whole looked better, looked more physical, looked ready to battle it out in the Big Ten. I, I think we looked like a team that could give every Big Ten team we play some problems, including a Michigan team. Let's think about I mean, I don't think they can just come into Lincoln and roll us over. I, I just don't. Um, not with how physical we've been in practice and physical we've been in camp, unlike we have been in the past. These guys are going to be calloused and ready for a hard-hitting game. Um, Illinois didn't look great. Hell, Ohio State didn't look great. Indiana was in it with them for a half. Mm. So... You know, it's always the first game that's the toughest, you know, so it's hard to measure what we could do against Michigan. <laughs> they did look good. <laughs> they kicked the crap out of whoever they played. It was probably a 20 some odd point win. I didn't pay too close attention. I was, like I said, I was busy in the studio working. So, um, so I missed a lot of college football, but your, your mom appreciated it because I was in the studio and I wasn't upstairs taking up the TV with college football all day. So ah, nice. <laughs> she liked that part. very much. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, special teams, Nebraska, I would give it an A if except, except for Billy Kemp letting that one ball drop and roll the very first punt rolls all the way inside into the what half yard line, one yard line, somewhere like that. I don't know. It was kind of neither here nor there. It was a lone line drive kick and it looked like it was going to, I don't know, roll into the end zone. Yeah. So he let it roll and then it just kind of checked up. So, but otherwise a on the, obviously on the special teams, Ramir was just, I said this on Husker army and I want to see if you agree, you take that number four off of Ramir's uniform. Don't you picture him as the kind of guy that's got the kind of quicks and the ability that a Wandale Robinson had. He yeah. just doesn't quite have the jiggle, the wiggle side to side that Wandale did. Wandale was great at that lazy leg. Make yeah. you think he's going one way and then boink. Next, you know, he's bouncing directly sideways. Ramir doesn't quite have that. But man, when he broke to the sideline, I thought they were going to run him out. And he just yeah. blasted right by those guys. I was like, wow, that's more speed than I remember him having. So, yeah, And he almost, um, he almost got past that next guy. I think he just ran out of juice, right? right there and he might he might have beat that guy yep and and, well shoot i he might be that guy part of me wonders when he knew he was running out of juice he kind of turned it in back toward the middle of the field and maybe it was supposed to be a cutback but i think he was looking for some dude to lay his shoulder into okay Mm -hmm. i don't have enough juice to get to the end zone but i'm going to knock somebody off their pins on my way down so maybe at least that's what it looked for looked like to me he was kind of heat-seeking missile at that moment <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, Tristan Aldano, uh, good one for good one debut for the young man. Twenty-seven yard field goal, one for one. He was one for one on extra points, so he did exactly what he was recruited to do. He made the kicks that were put in front of him. I just wish he had an opportunity to make one more, <laughs> if not yes. for that last dang interception. Uh, so, uh, Bushini was freaking phenomenal, but so was their punter. Their punter averaged forty-five yards on four punts and Bushini averaged 47.7 yards on three punts. So three punts, 
man, does that not tell you how much that first down clock rolling on a, you know, clock rolling on a first down affects the game and the number. I mean, it really does. So, but by God, they got their freaking commercials in. Holy crap. That was driving me nuts. (sighs) Like I knew commercials were bad, but like that was a very noticeable jump in like, Mm-hmm. The ratio between game time and commercial time, it like doubled. So like we have the same amount of commercials that we had before, but the like half the amount of game time. Yeah, absolutely. It just seemed, oh God, it was driving me crazy. Then then what's with, when did this become a thing where as soon as somebody scored you go to commercial, you come back, you do the kickoff, and then you get to go to commercial again. It seemed like that happened almost every kickoff in the first half. Do they so try to load up the first half with that stuff so that they can hopefully keep the game on and not do as many commercials in the second half so you have more drama? I, I don't know, but it, how the hell is a team supposed to get any kind of momentum on offense or defense if every time you turn around they're running to the sidelines to drink Gatorade and listen to their coaches for yeah. six minutes, you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, please. I'm sounding like get off my lawn guy right now. You're just, you're just letting it out. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. I'm letting it out, letting it all hang out. So, ah, let's see here. Oh, there is one more slide. My bad folks. See, I don't even know my own slideshow. There you go. Players of the game. Uh, before we turn the page to Colorado. Let's give some awards here. We both have Alex Bullock as the offensive player of the game for Nebraska. Three receptions, 56 yards, one touchdown. Kid balled out. He was given the, given the uh, nod to start. Made some key catches. I uh, could have made more if, uh, if Sims had seen him open, I think. I think there was a couple of spots where he was open and Sims didn't see him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my guy. On defense, I've got John Bullock, his brother. Six tackles, three solo, defended a pass, knocked a pass down. You've got Omar Brown, seven tackles, five solo, and an interception. Um, so there we go. And then on the other side, we, I liked, I thought Ethan, Cal, Cal, I'm going to do this all year. Well, we only have to play him once. Thank God. Ethan yes. Kaliak Manis uh, was poised, much like Sims was. As many interceptions as Sims threw, I don't think he ever looked rattled. Uh, Kaliak Manis definitely did not look uh, rattled. Of course, Daniel Jackson is a great choice. I almost chose him as the player of the game on offense just for dragging that toe. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, it's a fourth down touchdown moment. Mm-hmm. It's it's right after you had just had a toe dragging play again. So you you redeem yourself with another toe dragging play that actually is successful. It's yep. on fourth down. So it's your last shot that you have. And just like, that's the only time that they see the end zone in the entire game. Mm-hmm. And this was also right after almost throwing a pick, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So it's like, stones. they had stones. So they just, they just literally threaded the needle the whole mm-hmm. time. And so I just, I thought that was, I think that wins you offensive player of the game. Um, just out, outstanding performance from that dude. He's going to be a weapon for him. Sure. I completely, completely agree. He's got a great set of hands. I mean, he, that was his, that was a one in a million catch. We talked about it on, on, um, 
we talked about on Husker Army. It's like a game of inches. Brian mentioned this, this is a game of inches. A half an inch out of his reach, he doesn't make the catch. One inch further toward the sidelines before he makes his dive and he doesn't drag the toe. I mean, it just was as clutch a play and as lucky a play as you could possibly make. So uh, hats off to him. They got it done. Yeah. Um, so with that, I suppose it's time to move on to what comes next, which is Colorado and prime time is going to be yeah. stalking sidelines in Boulder for the first time ever as a head coach of the Buffaloes. Uh, anyway, um, I think this is kind of your time to, to uh, share what you're thinking. And uh, I've got some slides to talk about what you want to talk about. Well, I'll just start off by saying that I think that Nebraska is a better team than they looked at times. And I think that Colorado isn't as good of a team as they may have appeared to look. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm only slightly favoring that idea. So if there was like, if there was like a certainty level, I'm like only oh, just over 50% certain that that's what we're dealing with simultaneously. Um it could be one it could be one or the other if it is then we lose this game if it if it just is that nebraska is actually as bad as they look <laughs> and colorado isn't as good as they look i think colorado wins um they just looked way better than anybody was expecting i was expecting a blowout win even though there were so many question marks on tcu I mean, the comparison of question marks between those two teams were night and day. The, I mean, Colorado is a whole new team. And go figure, one of the interceptions that uh, Colorado makes early in like the first half, uh, it was one of the few guys who stayed. One of the only starters left on the defense was out there and he, and he got a pick. So it's like, so we're looking at this game, and you can see the talent spread across the board um, with mm. with Colorado. Obviously, we've only got a one-game sample with them, as they do us, but they were very proficient on third down. They were extremely proficient on fourth down, going two for two there. Um, Shadur Sanders went off with 510 yards of passing, which is it's like, is it because they couldn't rush? Or is it because they couldn't run or they just didn't choose to run because their passing game was working? Who knows? Sure. They did 34 attempts, so obviously they they did. They tried to establish tried. it wasn't happening. Yeah, and that was they against tried. the 3 5 defense too, by the way. So Yes, yeah. so actually it's technically like 29 or at, at least it's 29 times because Shadur Sanders was five of those carries and I reckon with them being negative 32 yards, they were all scrambles. Um, <laughs> yeah, he did get sacked a couple of times if I remember correctly, but I was just kind of paying attention to it while I was working in the studio. So I don't know for sure. Yeah. And they dominated the time of possession against a, a, a college football playoff team from the year before, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, I gotta state, you know, I'm aware that TCU is, has a really, really big reloading period right now with tons of inexperience, but you know, same with Colorado. So um, we're going to be looking at a hard time here. Um, I think that if, if Colorado can figure something out with, uh, Savion Wilkerson and Dylan Edwards in their rushing attack, 
Um, that could spell disaster for Nebraska. Hmm. Um, if uh, Travis Hunter is going to continue to be as much of a weapon as he was on Saturday, that he is going to be that kind of weapon f- against Nebraska. I mean, I don't understand how that dude isn't like living off of an oxygen tank, but um, they're they're gonna they're gonna have some weapons. I mean, obviously, no doubt uh, they yep. had between four receivers. Four receivers got a hundred yards of reception, um, reception yardage. So. They're going to have weapons. They're going to try and do some crazy razzmatazz. Um, and they're going to kind of fish out our defense and see if they can pick apart our weaknesses because there were de- there was definitely plenty of film for them to find our weaknesses. So, um, mm-hmm. what? So, I only got, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I only got to watch like the first two and a half quarters of this game. Um, and it looked, it was, it was one of those things that was kind of hard for me to actually leave. As much as I I didn't want to watch this game, I had to watch this game because if it wasn't for the fact that Nebraska was playing Colorado, I probably wouldn't have watched this game. But because of that, right. I did, and it it was it was kind of it was kind of a shell shock for me to be honest. So what it, what was your uh, what what's your kind of overall thoughts of the Colorado Buffaloes as as we get closer? Um, as you kind of have had time to process their game against the Horn Frogs, and mm-hmm. as you've had time to process our game against uh, Minnesota, is there anything that stands out to you about Colorado that if you were to put your finger on one thing and say this is going to be a true thing in this game about Colorado, what would it be? Line of scrimmage. So you think you think their line of scrimmage is the real deal? I think their line of scrimmage can be exploited. It was exploited. Um, by the TCU run game uh, to the tune of 260, what is it, 262 yards? Yep. Um, I think they average right around five and a half, five point seven 5.7 yards per carry. I should have looked that stat up. Um, but if I recall when I was looking at it, it was like 5.7 yards per carry as a team. Uh, and, and, and TCU does not have the offensive line or the size on the offensive line and the size in, this run, in the running back room that Nebraska has. So, uh, okay. see, uh, you better strap it up because I have a feeling the game plan is not going to include near as much, uh, drop back passing as we did, even though we only dropped back 19 times to actually throw, or at least attempt to pass on, on Thursday, there were more dropbacks that he ended up having to run. So there was nobody open and he was getting rushed, but, um, I think we're going to be a little bit more deliberate or we should be a little bit more deliberate in the run game because CU did not show any ability to stop TCU um, regularly in that game. Uh, But the line of scrimmage is going to be the difference. And I don't think CU has has the depth on their defensive line that Nebraska does. I just don't. I have a feeling they're going to be gassed pretty easily, especially in the altitude. I know they've been practicing in it. I know Travis Hunter's been practicing in it. But uh, Travis Hunter's going to be the wild card. Can we stop him on offense, and can we bust his butt a little bit on defense? You know, I was saying on Twitter last night or the night before, or yeah, it was last night, was kind of, if he's going to play both ways, Nebraska has a strat, needs to come up with a strategy to make him tired because he was getting gassed about midway through the fourth quarter against um 
TCU. And they even mentioned it, it at halftime that he was very tired after playing 45 or 60 plays or something in the first half. So, um, we need to have a plan. We need to, okay, if he's going to come out and play cornerback on offense, we're not throwing to his side of the field, but whoever the receiver is on his side of the field gets to run fly patterns. Yeah. Just go, just a go pattern, make him run 40, 50 yards down the field while we're running the football or, you know, throwing short throws out to the other sideline, gas him, you know, and then don't be afraid to bring somebody around on a running play. If he diagnoses that a running play is coming, bring somebody around and knock that little turd on into the ground. Cause he's yep. not big. He's not huge. Uh, so that needs to be part of the game plan. So the wild card for me is Travis Hunter and the line of scrimmage is going to be key. Just like it's football. It's the key in every game, but I think that's going to be one of, especially on the defensive side, that's going to be one of Colorado's weak spots is the middle of that defensive line. Give me a good dose of 22 going right up the gut for four quarters. And I think you'll have them worn down by the end of the game. Hmm. If I were to say what would be my key to the game is going to be our special teams. Um, I think that if we can do something to maybe exploit their special teams a little bit, maybe a little bit of trickery, maybe, maybe just some get, get into field goal range and not throw an interception and then kick a field goal. Like that would just be phenomenal. Um, But I'd say that if there's anything that I am certain that we're going to see in Colorado from Colorado, I would say it's going to be, I, I, you know what? I'm I'm going to go, I'm going to go kind of curveball. I'm going to say that we're going to probably witness a very trash talky game. Yep. It's going to be, there's going to be lots of fights and, and tussles that, you know, uh, refs are going to have to break up. There's probably going to be a few personal fouls, um, unsportsmanlike conducts called. It's, it's going to, I think it's going to be reminiscent of the 2014 Miami game where there's just a lot of jawing going down on the field because Colorado's really high on themselves. They just beat a top 25 ranked team, something that Nebraska hasn't seen in well, since 2016, we haven't seen or. 2017 or something. I don't remember. Um, so Colorado's going to have all the reason in the world to want to just try and get in our heads. And hopefully our guys are poised and um, mature enough to not bite into it. Because um, what that might actually bode in our favor. If we let Colorado just sit there and talk a lot of trash and we just don't respond to it, I think it's going to make them more frustrated and more likely to act out of that anger. And maybe mm-hmm. we get a few, you know, personal fouls that kind of go our way. That's what I'm expecting to see. I'm expecting to see a pretty, a pretty chippy game, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, I'd say, and maybe this is just me with my red colored glasses on, remembering how Nebraska used to play back in the day, in the sense that rules kind of one of these throwback coaches that preaches discipline, discipline, discipline. You didn't see a whole lot of chirping in the Minnesota Nebraska game. Um, and that used to be a pretty chirpy contest over the last few years. Seemed like both teams were pretty tame. There wasn't a lot of chirping. There was some serious hitting going on. So my guess would be that Colorado, yeah, they're going to want to drag Nebraska down into the, into the chirpy mud and into the whole showboating 
old school Miami bravado crapola. And you didn't see a whole lot of bravado from Nebraska on, on Thursday night. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of it on Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning. I think Colorado is going to try to drag Nebraska that way. And I don't think they'll go there. Maybe one guy will get a little hot and may get a penalty or whatever. But uh, if there's penalties to be handed out, it's going to be Colorado probably getting them because they're just being jerks. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there you go. They, they, yeah, yeah. Bot's exactly. I think Bot makes a perfect point. They will get in the O line's head or at least try. False starts are going to worry me. Yeah, me too, Bot, and especially the ones that are never called on the other team, like Minnesota. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Because we have that reputation now, right? I mean, it's been Mm -hmm. well noted by many people in media that the reputation for Nebraska is the fact that we're penalized a lot because we're undisciplined. One of the things Kenny Cheatham said on Husker Army, I keep hate, I hate, but I was just on it a few hours ago and he made such a great point. It's so worth listening to that show for this, if anything. He said the discipline was there on Nebraska's defense except for like two plays. Ty Robinson making a mistake leading with the crown of his helmet. Ejection is the dumbest rule in college football for something like that. Uh, it's stupid. Maybe eject him for the game, but don't make him sit the bench for the two first two quarters against Colorado. But anyway, that's the rule. And then um, the face mask toward the end there that got them in field goal range. So yep. um, other than that, that was an extremely disciplined team on, on Thursday night. So not a lot of defensive penalties. It was most of the penalties were on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine that. So there you go. Um, let's move on to the next slide. Let's talk about some players to watch. I'd say for me, oops, that was the wrong banner to turn off. There we there go. There you go. I'm going to be looking at Travis Hunter on both offense and defense. Uh, because I have a feeling he will be playing both ways again on Saturday. And I'll be curious to see. He did, he wilted a little bit under that Texas heat. It was over 100 degrees on the field. So the heat index was high. He played 90 some plays, if I remember correctly. And he was a little wore out by the end of the game, but he still kept making plays. So mm-hmm. how conditioned is he to deal, to go from that extreme heat to going and playing in the altitude? 80 or 90 plays, or maybe not that many because maybe we'll control the clock better. I don't know. But, uh, you know, make him run four or five go patterns, cover four or five go patterns, you know, guy get pretty wore out pretty quick. So um, he'll be the guy that I watch. And your guy on offense is? It is going to be Shadur Sanders. Um, I think that with him throwing four touchdowns to zero interceptions and having over 500 yards total of passing offense, that makes him a serious weapon. Mm-hmm. And th- with us almost getting two picks on Cali McManus, uh, I don't know if they're comparable quarterbacks to compare, but I do know for sure that the difference between us being in this game and us just outright losing this game is, is Sanders as their quarterback the real deal? Is he going to mm-hmm. just pick apart our secondary does he have talent to throw to that's going to just blow us off the line left and right and just start ru- running the numbers up? Mm-hmm. It, so I, I I think that that's possible. Do I think it's likely? No, but it is possible. So I'm going to keep an eye on Sanders. If mm-hmm. we can maybe force a turnover or two out of him, that would be really good, 
especially for uh for men mentality you know like if, if he's gonna go start mm-hmm. getting a negative mentality it's gonna be if he starts throwing a pick and maybe we because we've never seen him frustrated yet so um do some things to make him frustrated and i think that we have got sanders on lockdown so that's that would that would be what i'd bet my money on Shadur is definitely one I'll be watching as well. Uh, and you make some good points, excellent points as far as uh, what's he do when he gets rattled? Because TCU didn't do much to rattle him. They didn't get a lot of pressure on him at all. Uh, it just seemed like he had all day back there to throw. And when he does get pressure a couple of times, he was he's pretty good at escaping, kind of like Ethan Kaliak-Manis did a couple of times. Yep. Uh, so what are we going to do in that situation? Are we willing to accept the result of some of those plays where he makes a few on his own with his legs, and but we're not going to give up the big play, I'd be like, yeah, I'd be all right if he made a couple of first downs with his feet uh, just so we don't get that 60-yard completion downfield to Hunter or whatever to to uh, take a lead or take a two-score lead. As long as we avoid that, I'd say we're always going to be in the game. But yeah, I'll definitely be watching him. Um, he didn't run much. And I'm not sure how good he is at running yet. He might be pretty electric. They just haven't shown it yet. Yeah. Um, so that does worry me. But as disciplined as that defense played and as good as they were at staying in their lanes and picking up the run action and stopping the run when it happened, I, I feel pretty good. I, I feel do. pretty good. Um, so for our for our team we've I've got Gabe Irvin Jr as my guy that I'm going to be watching on offense simply because I think he's going to get fed the ball a hell of a lot more often than seven times or at least he should for God's sakes at least he should if you're averaging 7.9 yards of play against that Minnesota defense and you just stoned a linebacker in the hole and then burst for another 20 yards I don't know if that Colorado defense can hold up under that kind of pounding over four quarters. So I'll be watching for Gabe Irvin to have a big game. And then my defensive guy is Isaac Gifford, uh, simply because, you know, he's that fifth guy out there. He's that guy that could come up. He's that guy that could drop in coverage. He's that guy that's got to pick up that fourth wide out or the back coming out of the backfield, all those kinds of things. So I'll be watching for him. And I'd like to see him, if he gets a shot at one, that he actually picks it off, that he gets it in his hands, and if he just goes straight down to the ground, that would be fine. Don't be looking to run, Isaac. Just secure the ball first, please. <laughs> that yes. would be really, really nice because he had a lot of open field in front of him when he almost picked that one in the end zone. So I think maybe he was looking at that and not looking at the ball. But um, anyway, those are my guys on Nebraska that I'll be watching for. How about you? So I'm going to be looking at Ramir Johnson. We saw a little bit out of him on kickoff returns and not much else. Um, I think in this game where we're going to have to play a completely different dynamic of an offense, um, kind of s- similar in the sense that we played Minnesota and they mostly passed the ball and we're now going up against Colorado who mostly passed the ball. But I think when it comes to game planning, I think we're going to have to play with a completely different game plan. And... I think what that's going to have to look like is a mostly run heavy game that you bring those defenders closer towards your wideouts because they're expecting a run. So they're going to try and contain it a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. then you can have your skill guys like Ramir roll out to the exterior with a bubble screen or whatever it is. 
after you've ran the ball so many times. Mm-hmm. And I think he can be one of those, you know, those slippery little boogers that you can just throw to the outside and yep. he can pick up a nice chunk play. Um, and so I'm thinking like if, if, if there's any like really weird, quirky, like if we're going to run the ball for the most part and we need to get the ball to somebody else for sure that can just use their quick, super quick acceleration and just get in and out of a situation as quick as possible. I think Ramir Johnson is our guy for that. Um, and on the defense, I've got something that's somewhat complimentary of my pick for uh, Colorado's offensive guy, which is Sadir Sanders. On our defense, I've got Malcolm Hartzog, but from a more uh, from a more like sky view, I'm I'm thinking of mostly our secondary, but specifically Malcolm Hartzog. Because if Shadur Sanders is going to do what I imagine he's going to do, which is going to be doing a lot of passing, um, we can't afford to see what we saw against Minnesota, which was a lot of those curl routes where their wide receivers were coming back towards their quarterback and they were just wide open and, and our receivers were getting beat or our, our cornerbacks were getting beat. And so we need to figure out like they're, I mean, Colorado's going to be looking on, on film and seeing exactly what mm-hmm. the uh, Minnesota offense drew up to to consistently get those third down conversions with that specific uh, play model. Um, mm-hmm. Malcolm Hartzog and company, they're going to have to uh, get their poop in a group. And so th- that's who I'm going to be looking for. I'm going to be looking for Malcolm Hartzog and our cornerbacks uh, core as a whole. Okay. Good plan. I, I, like, I like what you're talking about there too. Let's do a quick prediction, score predictions. So I'll let you go first so that your nose can run while you talk. <laughs> All right. So let's do score predictions and then your bold game prediction. Yes. We, we talked about this before. After you predict your score, and then I'll do the yes. same. So I've got Nebraska still winning this game. Um, if I were to have prior to yesterday, if I were to have given a score prediction – even with what we saw with our offense, assuming I was going to see what I was going to see with Colorado, I would have picked something a little bit heavier. I would have picked something like a 35 to 10 win Nebraska or a 28 to nine win Nebraska, something like that. But with that performance we saw yesterday (coughs) from Colorado and with the performance that we saw from Nebraska on Thursday, I think Nebraska has a slight edge over Colorado, and it's only for this reason and this reason alone: defense. I mm-hmm. think that if you if you put these two teams up together, um, I think our defense is better than their offense, and I think our offense is better than their defense. Um, yeah. So, looking at it strictly from that perspective, I think Nebraska edges out a win, and it's going to be one that's going to feel really, really bad all the way up until the last moment. Um, this is this is my bold prediction. So I've got Nebraska winning 27 to 24. And how that comes about is bold prediction is that there's like 2 minutes left in the game. And we are we are winning the game. Let's just say it's uh it's it's 24 to 17 Nebraska. There's 2 minutes left in the game and we had just scored. So we are now up 24 to 17, two minutes left in the game. Colorado has a few timeouts. All we got to do is stop them. 
Well, they go all the way down the field with 30 seconds left and they get a touchdown. And so now it's tied 24 to 24 with 20 seconds left in the game after kickoff. No, PTSD. No, no. (laughs) And you get yourself. I'm going to I'm going to make a really, really bold prediction here. You get yourself over Mir Johnson down the field. And it gets slung out to him. The one thing that we don't want to have to rely on, which is, uh, which is uh, 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 Jeff Sims' arm. Sorry, I was blanking on his name there for a second. <laughs> and I see Matt Rule going, you know what? You know, we get it off of kickoff. There's like a you know a forty yard kickoff return that takes us all the way down to 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 Colorado's like forty or something like that. So it's like, well, why the heck not try and get ten more yards and get the game winning field goal? And they find Ramir Johnson, twenty yard catch, boom. Elvano nails a forty five yard field goal with two seconds left on the clock to get a walk off. Field goal touch or field goal win against Colorado in Boulder 27-24 Nebraska. That's my bold prediction. And we're gonna finally get ourselves a win for the season. Colorado's most likely gonna be ranked. And so we will get our first ranked win. Um, and we will feel a lot better going into uh northern Illinois, going home for our first home opener. So that's my that's my prediction. Righty. Well, I I can't lie. I like that prediction for sure. I'm kind of surprised by it, as I said when we were doing our pre-show talk in there. But uh, I like it. I could see it a scenario where that happens. Uh, my prediction is uh, we only win by we score a few more points on both sides, um, and we win by four instead of three. So I've got us winning 35-31. And my bold prediction is simple. Uh, they're going to get a few big plays. I think they're going to get a few couple of touchdowns that are 40 yards or longer. But we're going to bottle up the run game. Uh, the only way they're going to win is Shooter Sand- Sanders might squeak free a little bit on some pass rushing attempts by the Husker defense and get some big third downs and then complete some long passes here and there. But ultimately, Nebraska just run wears them down. I, I think we just keep working and working the run game and Nebraska wears them down. And uh, my bold prediction is something that Moonbot had mentioned. How about some of those inside shovel passes from back in the day? I know they practice them. I know they practice them. I've heard that. So my bold prediction is a shovel pass for a touchdown to Ramir Johnson in the third quarter, which will put us up 28 to 21 at that point. And then we score seven in the fourth. They score 10. And then that's that. Nebraska wins 35-31. So, I love it. I love that we both are predicting wins. Now, unfortunately, Moonbot also says that the football gods won't let him, a Denver resident, enjoy a win. <laughs> so, get your PTSD, bot. I totally you poor get son of a PTSD, bitch. And trust me, there's going to be a lot of crow we're going to eat here in this studio too if something happens. In fact, I tweeted about that earlier today, Scott. I saw Eric Francis. Remember, we talked to him yeah. on our show here about a month ago, and he's been pretty down on Colorado from the jump when Dion was hired. He goes, I just don't see how team unity can happen when you're bringing in a whole bunch of transfers and you kick out a bunch of guys that were already on the team, blah, 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 blah. 
So he tweeted something this morning, I think it was, or last night. It said something to the effect of, oh my God, I need recipes, people, because I have a feeling I'm going to be eating my words <laughs> about this Colorado team in about a week. So anybody have any good recipes? Of course, you know me. I've got to pop in and give my opinion. My opinion was, I think smoked crow sounds pretty tasty. Uh. Um, ha, 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 ha. But I don't think that will happen. And I'm really hoping these predictions are true. Uh, I think that's it. That's all of the slides we have, folks. That's it for tonight. Did you have any, I, I kind of shared my fun fact. You kind of shared yours, really. You went camping and I went to the country club and found myself a part-time job. I'm going to be taking another lesson next week. Uh, short game lesson this time, working around the green, maybe some putting. So looking forward to that. Um, this has just been, this has been a blast doing the show. It was a blast earlier tonight. I mentioned it at the start of the show. Anybody who's watching that didn't catch that. I was on the Husker Army podcast earlier this afternoon. That show just dropped on your podcast app and on YouTube. So make sure you're subscribed to Husker podcast. And um, while my son clears out the snot locker, trust me, I know the pain, son. Uh, it's okay. We're this all good. Sucks. I hate this. <laughs> I know. This it's it's the worst. It is the worst when you go camping and you come back and your allergies are kicking your butt. So um, oh, anyway, right now. Husker Army Podcast, get subscribed. Make sure you give those guys a follow and give them some love. They deserve it. They put out great content. Um, and uh, Kenny Tatum just has some fantastic insights. And it was kind of cool to meet Shevin Wiggins, uh, a player from the 90s that scored a touchdown in that Orange Bowl against Tennessee, if you remember, Scott. Hmm. Um, he wore number five, uh, played wing back, and they put him in on some option plays, which were kind of interesting, where they'd fake it to Amon Green up the middle, and then Frost would roll out and pitch the option out to, hmm. to Wiggins. So hmm. um, rumor has it there's some of those plays in the playbook these days, too. So. Uh, anyway, where can folks find uh, find you out there on the old interwebs? Yes, folks, you can find me at Scott Gen Red Pod. That is Scott with two T's. The second T will always remain silent. Um, you can follow me on Twitter um, and just kind of enjoy some of my hot takes and and my feelings of things of whatnot and stuff. So, yep, give me a follow there. Where can they uh, follow the podcast as a whole? In you, Dad. Well, you can find the podcast at Gen Red Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, of course, Gen Red Pod right here on YouTube, which obviously, if you're watching this, you already found that. But for anybody who may be watching later because it happens to pop up on your feed, at Gen Red Pod on YouTube, Generation Red is where you find our show on your favorite podcast app, which the audio for this show should be available to you, if not by Monday afternoon, then definitely by Tuesday morning. Uh, if you are a Apple subscriber and you haven't been getting our latest content, please unsubscribe from the podcast you're subscribed to now. Do another search for Generation Red and resubscribe to the new feed and you should be able to get all our old episodes as well as the last seven or eight that we've done since joining Herd App Media. Um, let's see here. GenRedPod.com is our website where you'll find all the links to our social media as well as genredpod at gmail.com if you have any questions comments or concerns about the show or you just want to request to be a guest we'll take those requests at that email address as well we're always up to have other people on here talking husker football we can't have enough people quite frankly on here to talk husker football kenny cheatham by the way scott will be in studio the week of the purdue game he's coming out for the purdue game and he said he wants to come to the studio so 
Beautiful. We're going to have to do a studio show after that game <clears throat> for sure with him and Brian. So that'll be that a sounds blast. awesome. That'll oh, be an yeah. absolute blast. So anyway, for Scott and myself, together we are Generation Red. We really appreciate you guys watching. And we're here to remind you every single week that there is absolutely no place like Nebraska. And Iowa's corn sucks fermented baby milk bottles that are forgotten under the couch. <laughs> oh, God, those are hideous. Ooh. Well, yeah, I'm not those, even sure I'd like. No, yeah, they're corn. Those dust. are nuclear. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, my goodness. Well, folks, thanks again for watching. Thanks again for listening. God bless. And go Big Red. Go Big Red. <laughs>